The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It uh, sure is. Yep, we are here. Dave Vaughn is uh, once again in the hot seat, just where we like him. Don't you know? That's where we like him. You want to call in and uh, and ask your questions, you can do so. 416-870-6400. We're always covering good stuff here on the show. The phone lines are open right now, so, uh, so bring them on. It is the Monday night edition. We'll get determination and severance, all kinds of questions, Dave, you get every week. So we'll get to those. And, of course, the week that was, you got a couple things brewing in that regard, pal. So, uh, so what's going on and welcome yeah thanks uh, thanks for having me john the uh the first one i wanted to talk about is the uh a case i had involving a construction employee and uh every year this individual is placed on a layoff in november and then recalled to work basically at the end of february or early march this year in early february the company tells him we're not calling you back okay so they just say we don't have, we're not going to bring you back uh when we open back up again now, the layoff in November is fine. They're allowed doing that. They've done it every year. It's basically just a, a term of his employment. That he was allowed to be laid off, and that's because of the industry he was in and the fact that it was past practice. He had always been laid off. But not calling him back is a termination. And there's some confusion when we deal with the construction workers. That people say, well, I heard construction workers don't get severance pay. That's true under the Employment Standards Act. They don't have minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act for severance pay and termination pay. But at common law, they're still entitled to severance pay. So when this individual was not called back to work or, or told he wouldn't be called back to work, uh, you know, once their uh, spring operations open up, that is a termination and entitles him to severance pay. Gotcha. Again, the uh, the number 416-870-6400. Want to call through, ask your questions now for the uh, the most of this hour, anyway, that's uh, that's what we do here every night in the show, Monday night, Wednesday night, weekend shows. And of course, uh, Employment Law Show happens on Global TV and CTV and your weekend mornings as well. What uh, what else you got going on, pal? Yeah, another one uh, I wanted to discuss was a, uh, a case I have involving a, a long-service employee. And he always did, uh, you know, he was a solid employee, uh, you know, no issues for, I think it was about mm-hmm. 14 years or so. And all of a sudden, he starts having some medical issues. And, uh, you know, he's missing time from work and he's, you know, he's getting, he, these are all medically supported. Um, you know, sometimes right. for, for a couple of years, it's just here and there. There's, there's days, he's just missing more days than usual. He eventually has to start missing significantly more time. Uh, you know, to the extent, you know, let's say he was be paid uh, about, you know, 75,000, it would be more like 50 is what he would earn. Okay, uh, because he's right. missing all this time, which you know they're allowed to do. They don't have to not. They don't have to pay him if he's not working. But um, it's certainly not uh, you know his fault, right? Uh, he has a medical condition, and that and that's you know they need, they need to accommodate that. But the issue here happened was after uh, a couple of years of this, they basically got fed up with him and just fired him because wow. yeah because he was missing so much work and had the audacity to allege <sighs> cause. So not only did they commit a, a pretty blatant human rights violation by firing him, they actually had the audacity to say, well, it's because, you know, you, you miss so much work, even though, you know, there was no dispute that it was, they weren't challenging his medical condition or his medical, um, you know, the some medical support for being off. They were just saying, you know, that wasn't, that's not the agreement. You, you, we need a full-time employee. You're not being a full-time employee. So they terminated for cause uh, as a result of this. Uh, so obviously, uh, beyond the the human rights issue, you know this individual is entitled to uh, you know a generous severance package. He's a long service employee, and there's no chance that, that that's cause. I mean, it's not even an argument. 
to make. So I was right. surprised they made the right. argument. So uh, what does this guy do next time this comes around, or uh, to be you know to be uh, to be cautious if this ever happens again? What's the advice? Yeah, I mean, in a case like that, when the employer is going to go way out there like that and make such a you know bizarre decision, there's not a lot you can protect you know throughout the process but just uh you know if it doesn't seem right um and and when they told him you know you're getting like over cause and he had the uh you know the the uh he made the right call and, and gave us a a ring and uh, you know we could help him through it but um you know for employers it's uh, i think the you know it's really important to uh, when someone has a, a medical condition or a medical disability is to accommodate them and you can't be terminating employees because of or even you know even if it's somewhat related like in this case it was they admitted it was directly related to the or because of the uh the medical condition but you know if you're an employer and you have an employee who's who's missing work sometimes you know you got to be really careful Careful in terms of how you deal with them, and uh, you know, really make sure you're accommodating them, and uh, and uh, you know, giving them that uh, you know, protect, you know, basically recognizing their rights in that regard. Anytime you want to reach out, by the way, get a hold of Dave or Lior, member of the crew at the at the firm. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the way to do that. You can go to help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is the website. The phone lines, of course, are open now for your calls here live for the remainder of this hour at Seven uh, Eleven. It is four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. That is the number to call through. If you have not been there yet, or at least to check it out, have a glance over pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's the place to go for all things. When it has to do employment law, and even before you make that phone call to Dave, you want to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of stuff there on on severance. The severance pay calculator is there. It'll tell you whether you're a contractor or not a contractor. Uh, there's even a section on disability law as well. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for reference any time of day. And then from there, you can either... Uh, Shut down your browser. Nobody knows you're there. Uh, you were there. It's completely anonymous. Or if you want to carry on and contact a member of the team, including Dave, there's a contact us button at the top right in yellow. So you can uh, you can check that out as well. Moving on, termination and severance. Some of these questions you get all the time. I've known you give me quite the expansive list here and some emails as well. So we'll get into this as we got some uh, some more time here in our first first part of the show. First one: Why can't the labor board help an employee that lost his job? I'm laughing. It's just. This this is a, a wonderful question. You're going to tell us why. Yeah. So the the labor board uh, or the the Ministry of Labor, if you go through that process, they can only help you recover your termination and severance entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. So the important thing to note there is they cannot help you with your common law severance entitlements. Right. And there's in most cases there's a huge difference between what your the minimum entitlements, which is you know specified by the the ESA, the Employment Standards Act, and your common law entitlements. And uh, you know, for example, let's say a long service employee, someone with thirty plus years uh, at one company, and let's say it's a smaller company, so their payroll is under two point five million annually. Right. Under the Employment Standards Act, that individual would only be entitled to eight weeks of termination pay and no severance pay. So that's all the ministry is going to help you get. Depending on the age and the position, that person would probably get close to 24 months pay in ter- at common law. So there's 22 months more severance pay that you can get if you go through that process and try to get your common law severance pay as opposed to just right. going through the ministry. Now, they can help you maybe with there's, if there's issues with you know, accrued wages, but you're still working there, or if it's you know vacation pay. Uh, and or, or overtime things like that, where especially if you're still working at the company, right. uh, or maybe you resigned, so all your you don't have any severance entitlements. Um, they can help you with that. But if it's if it's you know if you've been let go and you weren't offered a fair severance package, uh, you know that's the way to go is not through the ministry but through uh, through the litigation process. 
416-870-6400. Bring the phone calls on. Would love to talk to you, take uh, some of your time and your questions. Ryan, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. How are you? Hi, how are you today? Good, pal. What's up? Um, so I'm a part of a union, and um, the wages per hour, depending on what level you are um, in the trade, are available. I was just wondering if the employer you're working for is obligated to pay those wages. Sorry, you mean they're? I'm a little a uh, little confused. They're they're available, like. Yeah, you can, there's a booklet that you can get for the trade that you're in for this union, and um, it has the hourly wages. Okay, and they're not paying you what what the booklet says? Not necessarily. I'm actually changing employers, and uh, I haven't told him what um, I'm expecting per hour. So um, they, they, the wages are available online. Well, if you're in a union, the, the, if you're in a union, the union negotiates the wages. It has to be at least your minimum wage. If you're going to a new company that's not unionized, it just depends on what you so negotiate. They are union. Okay, so then it would just depend on what the unions negotiated there. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate that. Any more uh, follow-up, you can reach out to one 821 5900 Before we get to our first break, got a couple minutes left to go here. Your phone calls, 416-870-6400, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Just talking basics of termination and severance. How often, you know, we talked about inadequate severance offers and, you know, ESA minimums and all that stuff and people not exploring what the uh, common law is. How often do you come across inadequate severance offers? Yeah, I would say it's... 95% of the, Damn. at least, uh, of the calls I have, I would say is not a reasonable uh, you know, offer. Uh, you know, I'd say it's it's usually rare that they the company just offers the, the Employment Standards Act minimums. Usually there's, they'll, they'll say, we're going to pay this, plus we'll give you a bit more if you sign a release. But it's that combination that I find in yeah, at least 95% of the cases are just not... Uh, not sufficient and not in line with uh, in what, uh, you know, an employee's actual common law termination entitlements. If you were to flip this over from the perspective of the employer, what can they do to minimize the cost of severance that they have to pay an employee that they're letting go? Yeah, the best way to do that is to have a termination provision in an employment agreement that limits the amount of severance and termination pay that the employer has to give upon termination. And, you know, that can be limited to the Employment Standards Act. That can be a specific formula. And uh, but, uh, you know, the employer should have that if they want to you know, know exactly the cost if they do let someone go and, and just have that spelled out for them. Now, it's important in terms of the contracts. I know a lot of employers hear this type of information. They say, I'm going to have everyone sign a contract. Well, you need to provide some type of consideration for that. Most cases we do it by, by giving it to them before they start working. If you're going to give it to them after they start working, it has to be when there's a, a promotion or you have to give them a raise or some type of a signing bonus. So it has to be what you call consideration for signing. Now, if, if I'm an employer and I forget to do that in three, four, five years down the road, I let this person go and I'm relying on that contract, does it still hold water? No, it's going to be unenforceable. If there was no consideration, wow. so if they just put it in front of the employee and say you need to sign this and you didn't give them anything, it is not worth the paper it's written on. Got about a minute here before we take our first break. Lots more to go, but uh, Tiffany, we'll slide you in here quickly. How are you? Good evening. Good evening to you. Uh, thanks so much for uh, You bet. Call. Absolutely. Question now. If uh, I'm not an employee, I'm a consultant to a company more than four years. Um, if I quit or they let me go, do I get a severance? Thank you. Yeah, our, uh, so the easy answer, if you quit, you do not get severance. There's no question about that. A resignation you do not, does not entitle you to severance pay. Uh, if you are a consultant, 
um, and I, I assume you mean like a contract or something like that. Um, an independent contractor does not get severance pay, but it's not about what you're called. It's just about the relationship. So we look at, you know, did you work most of your time for the employer? Did you use their tools and equipment? Did you show up to their uh, to their offices? What what per, like percentage of your income came from this this one company? Uh, who did you report to? Could you subcontract out? That's the type of questions we ask to determine whether you're an employee or a dependent contractor. And both employees and dependent contractors would get severance pay. All right. All right. Thanks so much. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Tiffany. Want to uh, carry on, talk to Dave about any more points, either of you, you can call us back tonight or call one 821 5900 We'll take our first break here for the evening. In the meantime, during the break, feel free to call and uh, get some calls lined up. 416-870-6400. This is the Employment Law Show. It's right here. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The website, if you want to use any time for your convenience and uh, to uh, learn a lot as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Moving on to uh, to Paul. Hey, Paul, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just got a question for some friends uh, that are still auto mechanics. Uh, I used to be an auto mechanic working flat rate. Uh, if I voluntarily, or even if they ask me to work overtime, or my friends, uh, do they flat rate mechanics still get time and a half over or overtime? Yes, they would. Okay, uh, and if uh, are you are you paid on like as a an employee? You're paid on like basically the amount of work you do. Yeah, piece piece work. Piece work. Yeah, yeah. You. Um, Sorry, what would yeah. happen if, uh, like, we just, you know, they've been working there for years and they try and get back pay? Would that still work, or is there a two-year limit on that? Uh, that's a good question. In most cases, there is a two-year limit on uh, you know, the statute of limitations, but there is some case law regarding overtime and vacation and stuff like that, that if the employee was basically led to believe that he, he or she did not have those entitlements by the employer, that you actually, that the, the time you became aware of it actually isn't until, you know, that oh. now. So you actually, oh. it's not like you, so you actually can go back. Like there are cases that go back further than two years. So if that's the case, uh, you know, if that's the type of situation you guys are dealing with, uh, especially if, you know, it sounds like there's a, a bunch of you, it probably would make sense to at least have that reviewed. Okay. Just to and, see the uh, circumstances. Well, okay, that's great. I'll have a chat with them. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the call. You want to reach out, get a hold of Dave or the team uh, following that. I'm sure you will. 1-855-821-5900. You can email anytime as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. For the remainder of this show, feel free to call in just like our previous callers. Get some quick information. Get it started. 416-870-6400. Jay, thank you for hanging on. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. And schools, we talked before, and you uh, made fun of me. You didn't think I'd go read that Canley online? Well, I did go read it. Come on. Did and you really? I didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Val? Um, I don't know if you guys will talk about this on air, but I'm really curious about um, rate. Like, what, what percentage would you take of someone's severance, or how much do you charge for the well, That's a good question. You know, with the hourly? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question, and uh, obviously I don't like to get in, you know, specific uh, specifics on, on air. But um, you know, the initial consultation will generally do for free, uh, and uh, you know, just basically review the the severance package you've been offered, and uh, and then based on the circumstances, we can talk about different uh, fee arrangements. Okay, fair enough. 
Makes sense. Guys. Love the show. Okay, thanks, Jay. You're a good man. Appreciate it, pal. Thank you for uh, thank you for listening again. You want to uh, call in just like Jay? Ask your questions. It's four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. Talking about termination, severance, uh, overall questions here. Uh, minimize cost of severance. We talked a little bit about this. I think you want to expand a little more on how to do that, right? Yeah, I mean the easiest one is what we were talking about is just having a termination clause uh, sure. in an enforceable contract that governs the relationship. Uh, another way to do it, uh, maybe if you don't have that in place, and sometimes smaller employers like this, be, just because of the cost, but it's working notice of termination. So if you've decided yeah. you want to let someone go, you can provide, instead of actual just you know let them go immediately on the spot and then pay them out the severance, you can actually provide working notice. You can say, you know, in six months, your employment will terminate. Well, right away, if you've, if you've done that, you've given or you're, you're about to give six months or, or of, of severance pay. It's just in the form of working notice. And you are allowed to do that. So some smaller companies that maybe don't have the cash to just pay out someone, especially if it's a bigger entitlement, can right. use that. And, you know, one way to do it is, uh, you know, we'll give you six months working notice. And if at the end of it, you know, if you stay, we'll give you another six months, you know, if the person's entitlements are closer to 12. And, uh, you know, that's a good way to kind of get some value if you're a company for the severance pay uh, and uh, that you're going to have to pay out. Now, the issue, obviously, is that uh, some companies, some employers are just not going to want to do that in the sense of having someone, uh, you know, around the workplace that has been told they're, they're done, right? Uh, yeah. So you have to kind of balance that. But uh, it is, a, I'd say it's, it's, not co- it's not that common working notice, but it is permitted. And I do see it sometimes. And, you know, certain companies are okay with it. And I guess before a company decides to go down that road, they should consult either you or pocket employment lawyer and figure out exactly how much working notice, i.e. severance, they're going to have to pay anyway. So it's no use giving someone two months working notice when they got to back into it 10 months of severance afterwards, right? Yeah, that's right. It's important to kind of understand, like, what's our, you know, what should we be giving this this individual as a severance package in total? And uh, coming up with a formula maybe that, you know, provides both, um, you know, working notice and a lump sum. Now, one thing to note is if you're a bigger employer, um, severance, statutory severance pay cannot be given by way of working notice. It actually has to be paid out. Uh, so that that is one thing oh, wow. to consider. Uh, every, but all other, um, you know, common law uh, severance pay, all of that could be could be given theoretically as working notice. Uh, the other way to think about, uh, uh, important thing to think about as an employer is um, just providing that notice. You you have to provide it clearly. It has <laughs> right. to be in writing. It Written, has to be a yeah. certain date. Uh, you can't just give a, a vague, you know, we're... Yeah. we're Eventually. Gonna, yeah, you know, we're slowing down. In the next year or two, we'll probably let you go. That's not sufficient, you know, in clear working note, you know, notice of termination. So you need to make it in writing. You need to have a certain date and uh, a clear date in there. I know what, uh, you know, some employees or, or folks that are listening to the show tonight are going to think, okay, if I'm, if I'm on the other side of that table, I'm the employee that's just got a year working notice. What if I quit? Do they still owe me six months if I've only worked six months? Because I don't want to hang around there and everybody knows I'm getting sacked in 12 months. Can I leave and still get remainder or any severance at all? Yeah, that, that's a good question and you know, one that I, I get quite a bit when someone yep. is given working notice of termination. And you know, the, the easy answer is no, you can't quit. If you do quit during the, the working notice period, you're not going to get the severance package at the end. So it's a resignation no matter what. Or you maybe can go in there and negotiate and say, look, how about I give you three months and you give me the uh, you know next six in severance or whatever. Right? Yeah, so that's right. That, right. Yeah. yeah. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is the number to call in. Talk to Dave, get your uh, questions answered. What happens, because I know you get this all the time with EI, employment insurance, if you receive severance? And do you have to apply for it if you receive severance? So you don't have to apply for employment insurance if you're let go. Okay. I do recommend 
applying though, and uh, I recommend Ricky Chance to Service Canada right away. You know, some people say, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do it yet until this is all resolved. I, I still think you should reach out and kind of start the process. Uh, and a lot of the times, what people say is, well, I don't have my ROE yet, I don't have my record of employment. But a lot of the time, the employer just submits that electronically online. Uh, to Service Canada. So the best thing you can do, start the process, contact Service Canada, and if they don't have an ROE yet, uh, a lot of time they'll help you in terms of getting that from the employer. Uh, that, the ROE should not be contingent upon a settlement. Now, the employer does ha- would have to amend the ROE if they, ha- if they give you more severance and account for all of that, but that okay. can be done la- at a later time. Now, you're not going to get... Uh, EI at the same time you're getting severance. So if you're given a, a six-month severance package, you're actually yeah. not going to get EI until the end of that six months. Oh, but okay. you should still, okay. uh, to me, apply. I think it makes sense to apply. And um, because if you're still unemployed after the severance runs out, then you get to go on EI. Does the employer get credit for any EI earnings that you would get? Could they forecast saying, oh, you're going to get six months of EI, therefore we're lopping off six months of your severance, or that's not that's not happening? They do not get credit for EI. Okay. The employer does not get to reduce the amount of money they owe you for severance okay. based on the EI you get. But let's cool. just uh, you know pick an easy scenario. Let's say you get... Um, you know, you were let go and you weren't given any severance pay, and you get EI. Uh, you know, you get you get on EI right away, and you collect EI. And then after six months, we get you know a settlement for six months. Well, then all, you would have to repay that EI you got. The other way, not to the not to right. the employer, but you to, don't the, have to, pay, to the government. That's ah, right, because okay. you you got six months of severance pay, so you didn't need six months of EI. I see, I see, but this it, makes uh, makes sense. I still think it makes sense to apply for EI. Yep. Uh, you never know how much severance you're going to get. Um, you know, the common law, it's a range. Uh, there's no exact number. So uh, to me, uh, the best practice is to apply, get that process going. And if you get a better, you know, a bigger severance package, you can deal with it then. 416-870-6400 is the number to call. Is it likely to be able to successfully negotiate severance? Maybe not with a little mom and pop pizza shop, but like a car manufacturer, a bank, a big corporation. Yeah, that's one of the big uh, concerns I uh, I find when I speak to people is, uh, you know, we can spend uh, time talking about their severance entitlements based on their age or the years of service position. And, uh, you know, we go all into that. And uh, But the, at the end of it, they say, you know what, though, my, you know, this is a huge employer. This is a huge company. I think they're going to be able to fight this. And, uh, you know, the, and I understand where that's coming from. But the, you know, I find in most cases, comp- especially big companies, they're expecting a negotiation. So when they come up with the severance right. package and they, they make an offer, they're expecting you to come back with a counter offer. And I know a lot of people probably don't because they're intimidated by the process. They don't want to reach out to a lawyer to review it. And uh, so they just sign off on it. But uh, most of big employers, I think, are expecting that. And, uh, you know, I, it doesn't matter who the employer is, whether they're a big company or a small company, your common law severance entitlements are the same. So you shouldn't let the, you know, the employer dictate, you know, what your entitlements are because that's based in the law. Well, I'll flip over to another uh, another phone call here. Anthony, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. How are you? How are you? How are you? Thank you. Good, pal. Good. What's up? Uh, so I got an employer. They're, we have a contract. I get so much an hour, and I get 5% of my sales cash in. Not not like, so to speak, when you're going to pay later. Cash in on the month, whatever's cash in the company makes, I make 5%. So I'm leaving the, comp- leaving the company, and they paid me my last check, but they're missing money of that five percent they only paid me let's say two percent and now they're trying to tell me that all this that but on the on the new contract that we have now we're only paying three percent of this now but i don't have a new contract my old contract because i'm a i have i'm a seniority person there 
So my contract says that every month, every month, whatever I make, I make five percent of my cash in. So, like, they're just trying to probably shortchange me at the end here because I'm leaving, thinking I'm not going to go fight it. But seventeen hundred dollars is seventeen hundred dollars. How come? So I need like, what should I like? Do I just email them back and like I have the contract, I have the amount of money that I made this month, I have all the actual paperwork. If I were to submit this to somebody, they would lose because hey, it's Blair black and white. Right, it's that clear. Yeah, I mean, if it's as clear as you say, I mean, there should be no, no, you know, debate about it. They owe you the money. It's it's accrued wages, and they yeah. should pay it for you. Uh, pay it to you. If they don't, you uh, the and this is a great example of a time that it probably would make sense to go with the ministry, go through the ministry of labor because that's, it's just accrued wages, right. and you quit, right? That's right. I was thinking, who do I contact? So maybe if I sent them an email back saying, listen, you know, I have everything here in writing. I'll 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 send it if I don't get my money, I'm going to go see the Ministry of Labor, they might get a little bit worried and end up paying me my money. <laughs> yeah, possibly. And uh, there's there's no question, you know, once you, so basically what happened is you have a contract, you're, you're always paid 5% of the sales on, on top of your salary and you quit. And then they try to say, well, no, we're changing. We're basically not paying you the 5%, right? Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's obviously illegal. That's accrued wages. And let's right. even, even if they came to you and said, you know, a, a month ago, well, actually, we're going to change your contract and you're only going to be given two, 2% now. Well, that they wouldn't be allowed to do that either because that's changing the terms of your employment. And, and that's, you know, also, you know, that, that would be a constructive dismissal moving forward. That's right. And, we, and I didn't even agree on that. We don't even have right. that in writing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sure. Thank you very much. That uh, helps me clear the way perfectly. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, appreciate the call. And uh, you want to carry forth and talk to Dave a little more, I'm sure you would uh, would want to after you make that call. one 821 5900 416-870-6400. That's the number to call through here as we uh, take a few more. Love you calling in. Frank, thanks for hanging on uh, on your end. What's uh, what's going on tonight? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having my call, guys. Yeah, man. Go ahead. So my, my question, um, I work on commission. Um yeah. In four years, we used to get a draw uh, every 15th of the month. So uh, let's say the draw was $2,000. Um, so at the end of the month, they settle up the, the account. So if I made, let's say, $8,000 on that month, they would go and tax the full amount and pay the... Um, uh, insurance premiums and all that stuff, like, you know, the provincial tax and all that. And then they would take, instead of the 2000 I got, they would take 2500 off. So I questioned that a few times, and they said, well, you have to pay taxes on the 2000 that you got. However, I was paying taxes on the full gross amount. So maybe, maybe I'm not calculating these things right but in my in my mind i should have paid taxes on on the gross amount of the month that i made and then deduct all the the monies that i was given see what i'm saying you'd be taxed on the gross amount you were paid on an annual basis okay so every every month let's say uh, on that particular month i made ten thousand dollars Yes. Right. So you should be taxed at based on ten thousand dollars. Correct. So I got a draw of two thousand dollars that month. Okay. So draw against commission, right? 
So at the end of the month, they settle up the account, but instead of taking the $2,000 that they gave me, they took 2500 off. And they were saying that's because you have to pay taxes on the on the 2000 But the tax was calculated on the gross amount, was it not? But you do have to pay tax on the 2000 It's just part of the gross amount. So if you if your draw was $2,000 and, right. you, and you made eight thousand or you know ten thousand in commissions yeah. that means right. you were paid ten thousand right ten thousand less less all of my taxes that I needed to pay yeah right right and then the the uh, the contributions to the you know unemployment insurance and all that stuff that that all comes off and I, I understand that right but instead but instead of taking the whole two thousand dollars that I got from them, they took twenty five hundred instead. Okay, shouldn't, shouldn't that have been shouldn't that have been two thousand dollars instead of twenty five hundred? I mean, because that the, the easiest way to think about this, just to find out whether what they're doing is right or wrong, is how much did they pay you in a gross amount over the, the year? That's the amount that would be taxed. Okay. You don't have to do it at, on, a, on a monthly basis. You just have to look at it on an annual basis and see how much was I paid, and that would be the amount that would be taxed. Frank, appreciate the call. It's a bit of a uh, bit of a tax question, money question, but we're going to uh, move on. Appreciate the uh, the call anyway. Termination severance questions. Not really back to basics. More of the stuff you get asked every day. Um, how about this one? What if an employee that is let be, let go becomes sick or injured and can't look for a job? Does that impact the amount of severance they would get? Technically speaking, it wouldn't impact the the amount of severance uh, from okay. from a you know a strictly you know, we're looking at age years of service position and, and whatnot. If it happened after the term day determination, right? Okay. But what it does impact is is their ability to to search for new work, which is called sure. mitigation. So a lot of the time, what happens is someone's let go, and the company says, "Well, you you know you have an obligation to look for work, and we think you're going to be able to get a job, so we're going to you know offer you less than your full severance because of right. that and that reality." Now, so if you're actually if you have a medical condition that basically prevents you from looking for work or makes it difficult for you, or you know really limits the amount of jobs you can look for or, or where you can look for them. That is going to impact the amount of severance you know you can get just because of that mitigation factor. Because you're realistically not probably going to get a job that quickly, and it will take you longer. So, if we go back to uh, Frank's example, a sales example, there was commissions you know every month, and uh, usually they fluctuate for a lot of salespeople. I would say most do when it comes to commission uh, or commission draw structure. If a person's com- uh, compensation does change from year to year, how do you guys go back uh, and calculate severance in that in that way? Yeah, the generally the principle is that you should, in terms of severance pay, you should get the all forms of compensation you would have earned had you continued working there for that amount of time. So if your severance package is twelve months, we just say, okay, how much would you have earned for the over the next year, right? And the easiest way to, I mean, obviously for base salary and, and fixed forms of compensation, that's easy, but bonuses and commissions are are, are different, are you know a little trickier. And we usually have to look at historical, 
numbers and performance to determine what would have happened in the future. So, you know, the general rule of thumb on a very basic level would be three years. Sometimes people use five years if there's, you know, more years of employment. Okay. But, you know, that can get a little, that can be, you know, that can change a bit. What happens if, you know, every year the commissions are going up? So one year you, it's 10,000, then the next is 20, then it's 30, and it just keeps going up. Well, in all likelihood, you would actually would have continued down that down that oh, road, right? So it wouldn't be fair to lump all, th- you know, just say, oh, well, you know, there's a three-year average because it was actually going up, uh, and, and vice versa. Maybe at one, you know, five years ago, you you earned uh, forty thousand in commissions, but the last couple of years, it's been closer to twenty thousand. Well, that twenty thousand number is probably a lot more reflective of what you would earn had right. you just been able to work out the notice period. Right. And so those are the types of things that we can we take into consideration uh, when when you're dealing with commissions. But it is important if you're if you're let go, you're an employee that's let go, and the commissions are part of your compensation plan to make sure you're getting compensated for that during the notice period. Because a lot of people don't forget about it. A lot of people say, "I want my commissions I've earned, plus I want my you know my salary moving forward." But sure, th- that's ignoring you know in, in some cases a huge part of the compensation plan. I mean, I've seen people who you know commissions or bonuses are fifty percent of their plan, right, of their yeah. compensation. So uh, you need to make sure you're getting that and a lot of times employers will miss that plus you need to factor in any stuff that car allowance all that stuff as well that should factor into any uh any severance you get too right yeah absolutely car allowance uh you know rsp contributions or pension and enrollment benefits enrollment and you know sometimes people try to put a dollar value on those types of things especially pension or benefits but to me a lot of the time the best thing is, is just to be is to continue that enrollment in the plan uh because you never know how much what your benefits are going to cost you moving forward Right. right I want to get to an email from Ming here, by the way. It is uh, help at employmentlawyer.say. Ming says, uh, my father just lost his job after 18 years, and he was offered nine months severance. Is that all he gets? It's a, uh, a good question. It looks like they've done, two, what, two weeks pre-year service on that, that one? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, a lot of time companies do do formulas like that, uh, at least for a first offer. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's... It's obviously not anywhere near good enough. I would need to know the uh, the position and the age, but um, you know, depending on, I mean, assuming you know, it's eighteen year employee, they're uh, obviously not uh, in, in their twenties or probably not thirties. So, um, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit uh, older. But um, you know, you'd have to Ming would have to go onto the severance calculator and just type in those other uh, those other factors and and see what uh, to get a, you know a better estimate. But you know, it could be probably as much as eighteen months. Um, wow. And uh, maybe you know if the person's in their sixties and uh, an executive or something could even be more than that. But uh, there's no question to me that nine months, regardless of age and position, would not be good enough with an 18-year employee. Gotcha. Donnie's up next. Donnie says, uh, "Dave, I was put on a performance improvement plan three months ago." Last week, my employer told me that I didn't improve and I was let go without severance. What do I do now? Yeah, that's. Uh, I see that happen a lot, and uh, I, I feel like uh, the performance improvement plan is just uh, foreshadowing, what, you know, an eventual yeah. termination. Right? Yeah. It's uh, you know pretty, pretty standard. That's uh, that's part of the process. But uh, you know, if uh, you Donnie was let go, and um, you know, I'd want to see the the, the performance improvement plan talk about other discipline and stuff like that. But in most cases, you know, performance isn't going to be cause for termination. Uh, cause for termination is is result you know reserved for the most serious type of misconduct. Uh, we're talking about fraud and uh, you know violence in the workplace, harassment, stuff like that. Stuff that basically just makes it impossible to continue the employment relationship. In most cases, performance is not going to do it. So um, you know I would uh, suggest uh, Donnie give us a call and uh, we can uh, you know we can discuss uh, your options. Finally, should an employee be concerned about a deadline? 
to accept a severance offer because a severance offer always has an amount and it's always got a deadline, you know, Friday at five or whatever, right? Yeah, it's always, it always seems to be a week or two, um, usually right. a week I see. And, yep. uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's uh, it's important to move forward quickly on, uh, you know, dealing with it, but you don't want to let it just sit around. But uh, at the same time, you know, that's an arbitrary deadline that the company's, company's set. And, uh, you know... In most cases, um, you know, they've just picked the, uh, you know, a week after the termination. There's no real reason that that's, that needs to be the uh, the case. Um, and your legal rights don't change after that deadline. So right. if you're entitled, yeah, if you're if you're entitled to more severance at law, um, you know, you're always going to get that regardless of the deadline. And uh, so, th- I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. I would get, make sure you get that, uh, you know, get that reviewed and talk to a lawyer uh, rather than just abiding by their deadline. Good stuff. Done for the night. You want to reach out now, 1-855-821-5900 is the way. You can go to help at employmentlawyer.ca, and there's also the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Back here on Wednesday, the weekend shows as well. Do not move a muscle. On Point returns with Alex Pearson right here, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.